welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. It's good to have you guys here. If you're a visitor, welcome. Uh, it's great to be with you guys. We do call ourselves a family, so that's a big thing for us. Uh, I told you last week um, that I wanted to start off this new year talking about some foundational things um, that are uh, near and dear to our heart. Every place you go to, every, every church, every kind of faith community out there, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're kind of telling you what their heart is, and everybody may have a little bit of different variants that they feel passionate about, and there's some there's some foundational things to us at Reliance um, that, we, that we are passionate about. And there's, I mean, we're all connected in this thing. We're just part of the body. There's awesome ministries and life-giving churches out there. But, but, but our heart, there's some things that drive us and draw it already. One of those is the presence of our passions. And, and a couple of those things um, we've already talked about already. One of those is the presence of Jesus. Uh, you'll hear that repeated over and over and over. We'll preach on it. It'll never get old to preach on the presence of Jesus. Amen. Ever. And so you're going to hear that a lot. If you're fairly new here, you're going to hear that a lot. We also love the kingdom of God. We're very kingdom-minded people. We believe when Jesus taught us to pray, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we talk a lot about the kingdom of God. It's a foundational thing for us. What our pursuit is, is to be men and women who live in the kingdom of God. Amen? And then we talk a lot about identity. That's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and things as well, but we talk a lot about identity, because identity is a big, big issue, we believe, in the hearts of believers, knowing who God is, and then in light of who God is, who we are, and it's foundational, and if you can start off this year knowing your identity and secure in who you are in Christ, it will determine how you pursue the Lord this year. So it's, it's, it's a really big, big thing for us. And I say foundational things because um, I believe that without the right foundation, um, everything else really doesn't matter. And I was uh, sharing with First Service, I looked out in my backyard uh, just the last couple of weeks. Of course, everything, you know, is winter, so everything's dead. But I looked out and I saw these two dirt patches in the back where my wife, last spring, she says, will you go out, will you plant me some flower beds? I'm like, baby, you know I've got a green thumb, Right? And I go out there and I'm digging up the grass because I'm plant these flower beds. And I was like, do I lay down the weed, you know, thing, the black stuff you lay down to weeds? No, no, I'm good. And so I just planted the flowers believing that I had dug up the weeds good enough, right? Come inside, my wife goes, did you do it all right? You know, and I was like, baby, I do it right. She goes, did you lay the stuff down? I go, no, trust me, I got every weed in that bed, all right? Literally two weeks, it looked beautiful. It was beautiful flowers, it looked luscious, and then two weeks later, guess what happened? You couldn't tell the difference between the flowers and the weeds. The weeds and the grass had grown up just as high as the flowers, and it was choking out the flowers. And I'm telling you, there is this revelation the Lord has given me that we can think that we look good for the very start, but if we don't properly till that foundation and plant the right things, and can't tell the difference between weeds and the flowers, we've got issues. If you can't tell the difference between the things of God and the things of the world in our life, we've got to rework some foundational tilling up the ground issues in our life. And so part of our duty, I feel like, is to really make sure that we start on those right foundations. And I would argue 
that outside of the, the primary word in the scripture being the supremacy of Jesus, especially in the New Testament, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Old Testament is too, but I would argue that outside of the supremacy of Jesus, what you'll read about over and over and over and over again, especially in the New Testament, is in light of who God is, who are we? Who are we? Because when we understand who we are, we will, we will move and we will live and we will find our being. And so many issues can be, can be traced back in our life. So many issues can be traced back to not knowing who we are. And so for some of you, this is going to be brand new. You haven't heard these words like we're going to talk about today, like sonship and, and adoption in the family of God. For some of you, this is going to be a refresher because you hear us talk about it a lot. And I'm okay with refreshing you with my four kids. I don't just tell them one time, hey, you're my sons and my daughters and I love you and then never tell them again. I have to remind them over and over and over who they are. I'm proud of you. Not because of what you do, I'm proud of you because of who you are. And so just like that, I wanna make sure that we do the same thing um, in, in our life because if we don't know who we are, it can cause some issues in our life. And so one of the words you're going to hear us say a lot today, just let me break down two terms. The first one is sonship. Everybody say sonship. There is a word that you will see in scripture and a theme that you'll see in scripture about our identity around this idea of sonship. Now I want to say this. When you hear the word sonship, it's not limited to one gender. This isn't about, about, about men and women. When you hear the word sonship, it's an invitation for you and I as men and women into Jesus and into his sonship into God through Jesus Christ and into this word sonship. So when you hear that you are sons, you ladies out there don't need to get offended by that. It's just a word that's showing us that with Jesus in our hearts, we have sonship in him. It's the same thing where men get caught up in the word, we are the bride of Christ. And there's a lot of guys going, I ain't no bride of Christ, right? Did you just call me a bride? Yes, I did. That's what it says. You're the bride of Christ. It's not a gender word that's being used. It's saying that God, that, that, that God is the, the groom. Jesus is the groom, and he's coming back for his bride, you and I. It's describing the relationship that God desires to have with us, that Jesus desires. It's a oneness. It's a closeness. And so we're not hung up on this. I just want to make sure you get this. Don't get hung up on the word sonship as somehow being this masculine word. It's a word that's describing Jesus in the hearts of men and women, which brings us into sonship in God. Amen? Okay. It's a big deal. It's a big deal when we talk about sonship because the idea of sonship is a positional thing that we have before the Lord. When the Lord is dwelling in us, we have sonship. And the reason it's such a big deal is that for so many of us, we get caught up not in our position, but in our performance. Not in who we are, but in how well we perform in life and in things of God. We judge how well the Lord likes us by how well we do in him and through him. That's how we judge ourselves. And it translates into a lot of things in life. And so I just wanna make sure that you get that part. Sonship is a big deal to us because we believe that if you understand why Jesus came, yes, to save you, but he came to save you to bring you back into the family. We're gonna talk about that here in just a minute. And if you buy into that in 2021, this is the beginning, if you buy into it, it'll change the way in which you approach the Lord. Change your pursuits. 
your desires and your affections of why you're pursuing the Lord. I'm not pursuing the Lord because he's sin and lightning, but I'm pursuing the Lord because he's my father. We'll talk about that. Um, sonship also invites us into three things that we all long for. Three things that we all long Identity, acceptance, and approval. It's, that's what wages war in many of our hearts. I wanna be approved, I wanna be accepted, and I, and I want that identity. And sonship, when the sonship of Christ fulfills our life and comes into our life, there's three things that you'll begin to feel. You have a sense of, I know who I am. You'll have a sense of acceptance. I'm not rejected, but I'm accepted, and you have a sense of approval. The Lord loves me. He loves me. And so sonship is big. Second one is adoption, okay? Adoption, and adoption is a, is a, is a big thing. In scripture, you'll, you'll read about it quite a bit in what stories of adoption. Um, when I watch those Facebook posts of, you know, people post a video of a kid opening a, a present or a box and in there's the slip of paper of the parent saying, I'm adopting you. And they're just like, just start crying. And I'm crying. I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. Anybody out there? Come on. Yeah. All right. Let me appeal to some of your other affections here. Annie. Anybody watch Annie? Raise your hands. Thank you. So growing up as a kid, we watched Annie all the time, right? I loved Annie. It's this story of this orphan girl who's adopted by Daddy Warbucks. I feel like this is ridiculous that we're talking about this. And like he's the wealthy guy and all of his stuff in this adoption now belongs to her. And I'm like, that's it. This is what we're talking about. This guy who has endless resources, he adopts her in and all of his stuff becomes her stuff. And if you feel like I just lost my man card, I like Braveheart first, Gladiator, and then Annie. Top three, all right? <laughs> Braveheart, Gladiator, Annie. Top Gun's in there too. But <laughs> just want to make sure you knew that. The, the, the theme of adoption in Scripture, and of course it's in their context in their time, and in that first kind of Roman century, what adoption looked like for them was that a father, if he had no child, especially a son, he would go and he would choose a son. He would adopt that son in so that he could pass on his inheritance, his estate, his namesake to that son. And that son, in that moment of adoption, in their culture, would be no less more valuable than even somebody that was a blood relative. In fact, the adopted person in that culture would lose all of their rights from their old life. They would lose them. They would be stripped of all of their old family rights, debts, issues, all of those would be stripped from them and they would gain all of the rights as a legitimate child in this new family. They would become full heir to this new estate of their fathers. This this is the word of God trying to bring you and I into this place of adoption, amen? Two scriptures we're gonna focus on. I guess every Bible, Romans 8. <clears throat> we're gonna go Romans 8 and then we're gonna go Galatians 4 here in just a minute. But two scriptures really scream this out and Paul's trying to get us to, to buy into this. In Romans 8, 14, he said, these are sons of God. As many are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. So if the Spirit of God is in you, when you said yes to Jesus and Holy Spirit comes in you, when the Spirit of God is in you, he's calling you sons of God. Now look what else he says. For you have not received a spirit of slavery bringing you into fear again, but you have received a spirit of sonship in which we cry, Abba, Father. 
So he's laying out to you foundationally that there's two spirits that are at war for you. One is a spirit of slavery and one is, a sp- is the spirit of sonship. And the spirit of slavery is the one that wants to encase you in performance and what you've got to do and how you've got to act perfectly. And if you don't do it, you're not worthy and you don't measure up and no one can love somebody like you. That's a spirit of slavery. It brings fear and anxious thoughts. It brings all of those things on you. And that's at war right now for you. And on the other side, you've got the spirit of sonship. The spirit of sonship brings you into intimacy with God in which you can cry. Art himself testifies. We'll talk about that word here in just a minute. The spirit himself testifies or bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, then heirs, heirs of God, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. That's another time, but we're going to talk about suffering. Galatians 4.4. And when the fullness of time had come, and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had come, in the moment that Jesus needed to come, yes, he came to bring salvation. We know that. But look what Paul tells us as one of the primary purposes of why Jesus come. That all of us were under the law. We were bound by this idea that the law is what held us in the conviction that we were guilty. That we were condemned. And Jesus comes, born of a woman, under the law. And here's what it says. To redeem, receive, that we might receive adoption as sons. You remember what I said about adoption. Son, Holy Spirit, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, Holy Spirit, into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. He says it again. So you are no longer a slave or a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Big. Paul's declaring, yes, the role of Jesus, salvation. He's all for it. Role of Jesus, salvation. But he's saying that that role of Jesus, one of the primary roles, is also so that we would receive adoption. I've heard it said before in a quote, the spirit of adoption casts out the spirit of rejection. The spirit of adoption casts out the spirit of rejection. I've heard so many stories in people's lives of where they felt rejection in their life. So many stories of rejection. And this is exactly what the enemy wants you to grab hold of. The, Satan relishes when you and I feel this weight of rejection in our life. No good. Never measure up. Nobody could want me. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And this is why God has given us adoption into his family. And I think there's so many believers out there that are still walking around with this heaviness of rejection. That's why it's foundational. That's why it's so important because if we get this, it'll change the way in which we approach God. In fact, Jesus says it in John 14, 18. He's talking, in my father's house, there's many rooms, many mansions. I wouldn't say it if it weren't true. I'm going away to prepare a room for you. Why? Because we're part of the family, so he's getting us in. And he says these words in John 14, 18. I will not leave you as, let me say, orphans. Orphans. 
An orphan is one who feels the weight of rejection. They want me. Or I've lost them all. I've lost my family somehow. And so I'm not, I'm, I don't have a family. I'm, I'm on the outs looking in. There's this feeling, this weight of rejection on an orphaned heart. And I believe that in this time, especially in this year with this tension and volatility, that God wants to heal us of living with this orphan rejected heart. By bringing us in, repositioning our hearts through adoption as sons of him. And all of this hinges really on how we view him. It all starts with him. The most important thing is that as we draw closer and closer to him, it's revealing who he is. And I'm going to say this. We'll draw as close to God as how we view him. How we view him will determine how we draw into him. And So let me just add, Monday morning, how many of you guys rush into your boss and give him a big old hug? I just love you so much. Anybody? Unless your boss is like maybe your family or something. It's a picture if you work at Coke Industries or wherever. Like, do you rush into Charles? Just give me a hug, man. Probably not going to end well for you. We don't do that with our bosses. How many of you guys, if you had to go into the courtroom, you'd run up to the judge and you just give me a hug. I just love you so much, judge. Right? It's weird. You wouldn't do that. You'd probably go to jail. So when we see God as boss and as judge, we'll approach him in a manner that we believe we cannot approach him boldly, one. And secondly, if we approach him, it's going to be based on a boss mentality, which is if I perform well, maybe he'll say hi to me. And with the judge mentality, we'll approach him by believing if I'm good enough, maybe he won't condemn me. But when we see God, as scripture says, which is as a father, or you just look, as a family member, how many of us run in to family, whether you had mom and daddy issues or not, I'm, not talk, I'm just saying a family member that you love, you run in, you have no problem embracing them. So this is why the language of scripture is trying to get us to have a right view of God. Yes, he is the boss. Yes, he is the judge. Yet almost every scripture is trying to point us to the Father's heart. That's why Jesus offers up the Lord's Prayer and he starts off with our Father. That's why both Romans and Galatians were both told, in which we cry, Abba, Father. Now the Jews didn't normally use this word to address God. This was reserved really between Jesus and God because there was an intimacy with the word Abba. It, it, and we've talked about this in here before. It's like daddy. It's like this like most intimate moment. Not just father, like, hello, father, right? But like, daddy! Jacob's little boy, Emerson, comes in. His little boy come in. And he goes, daddy! And I'm like, oh, Annie, right? I'm just, Annie. Yeah. Braveheart! So good. So God is allowing us in to intimacy through Abba Father. It's beautiful. Jesus spends so much time trying to teach this to us that God's character is a father in search for us. He's looking. I mean, look at almost, look, look through all of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look through all of the Gospels and you'll see these sections where Jesus, 99 to find the one. 
There's a lost coin. He's looking for the lost coin. He, he says it here in Matthew 13, 45. He's like a merchant seeking fine pearls. This is, why, this is how he values you. He's, he's searching for you. Where's my kids? I'm gonna bring you in. I want you to see this. It's a beautiful picture of God's heart. And it changes everything when we begin to see God in this way because now we don't believe that God is far from us but near to us. We don't believe that God is scary, but he's loving. We don't believe that we're in slavery, but we're in freedom. In our men's group, we've been talking on Thursday mornings. We've been working through the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5, it gives a distinction. It's all about Jesus, supremacy of Jesus. And, 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 and then in Hebrews 3, 5, he says this. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. Listen to this. Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant, okay? This is pre-Jesus. Look at this, look, look at this. This is so important to testify to the things that were being spoken of later. So Moses is a servant and, and the Mosaic law is created. So the way in which we get to God is through trying to keep the law. So our righteousness is contingent upon Mosaic law. And anytime you have the law, you are servant to the law. They go hand in hand. That's all we had. That's the way that it worked in those days. But look at this. Look what Hebrews tells us. Ah, I love this. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a? Everybody. As a son. Something happened between the time of Moses and the time of Jesus where Moses was faithful of a servant making sure that the law was there but Jesus comes and now he's faithful over God's house as a son. And so we're dealing with an issue of are we still trying to live as servants or are we trying to live as sons? So that law of Moses created within us a performance-based mentality for Christianity. I have to do these things. It enslaves me to fear. The law told people and us over and over and over, you're just a sinner, you're not worthy, you deserve punishment. That's what it's about, it's about punishment. It was the curse of the law, it was supposed to do that. It was supposed to show us the ways in which we were walking in wickedness and it created anxiety and it created this fear and like I'll never break out. And then Jesus. And then Jesus. Jesus comes and he fulfills every one of the laws. And he sets us free into sonship. Everything changes from that moment. If you came today because you feel an obligation to fulfill your New Year's resolution for 2021, knock it off. Stop it. You are here because the Lord has searched you out. And he will seek and find the things that are valuable to him. And I promise you, it's you. I promise you. How much time we got? Okay. Amen. I'm going to. I, I was just really, it was a rhetorical question. I'm like, I don't care, right? <laughs> so how we see him, how we see him then determines how we see ourselves.
in the midst of this darkness of when the time had fully come, hopelessness that we had over our life, God breaks in, and we read it, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born of a woman, so flesh and blood, born under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of son. God comes to you in Jesus Christ, he sets you free, and it changes everything in our life, and just to make sure that you have assurance of this, he tells us, the Spirit himself bears witness, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You don't have to walk out of this room today and doubt that. You don't have to walk out of this room today and go, what do I gotta do? What do I gotta, I gotta sign up for a life group? Or what, what do I gotta do? You should, okay? But what do I gotta do? What do I gotta do? How do I perform well enough for this? And God goes, no, 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 it's not perform. Look, the spirit testifies with your spirit that you're sons of God. Yeah, but what, what, how do I perform? No, 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 no. The spirit testifies with your, it changes everything. It's sonship. It changes everything. And then when I begin to walk in it, I, so then my pursuits line up with the things of God, not because I'm performance-oriented, but because I'm desire-oriented. It's what I desire. It's what we do in my household. I have expectations of my kids. I don't, they don't just perform them because they know the culture of our home. You don't do that. You know that. And benefits, the benefits, Romans 8, 17, is that we become heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And so that adoption brings you into a place of identity. I think I listed four of them up there if you have them, Darcy. It gives you an identity. That's what we all desire. Number one, number one thing that people steal from us today, they don't break into your homes, what do they take? Your identity, right? Identity theft, number one thing. Satan's just like, I'm gonna do that. I don't need to break into your homes, I just wanna steal your identity. Number one thing, this is an heir. We have a new identity. We have a new status. Once you were a slave, now you're a son. Now that you're a son, you have a new status. You have rights and privileges that you once didn't have when you were a servant or that slavehood. You have a new status. You have a position. As a slave, you stood guilty. As a servant, you stood guilty before God. It says in Ephesians 2, 3, you were an object of wrath in those times. But now you stand before God in a new position where you get to boldly approach the throne room of God with boldness. Why? Because you boldly approach him without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, right? Blameless before the Lord. And some of you guys are going, and I know I share this all the time, but you're going, I don't feel that way. And I'm saying, it's not about you. It's about what his word says about you. He says, you boldly approach. You're blameless before the Lord. But Lord, I've got sin. He goes, trust me, I know. Identity, status, position, relationship. As a slave, you lived in anxiety and fear. As a child, you're drawn in to the most intimate relationship you can have. Abba, Father, let me climb up into your arms today. Romans 8.15, of slavery some translations call it bondage. The word bondage is defined in the Greek as a state of a man which prevents him from enjoying his inheritance. I'm going to read that again. 
for you have not received a spirit of slavery or bondage. And that means a state of a man which prevents him from enjoying his inheritance. I wonder how many of us believers walk around and we just feel like we're hindered from enjoying our inheritance of Jesus. Because we're in this state of bondage in our life. Close out with this. Just a little compare and contrast between servant or slave and sonship. Slavery is always fear and death. Sonship is freedom and life and love. Servants strive. Sons and daughters thrive. Servants are disposable. I'm done with you. Releasing you. Get out. Done. Finished. I'll find somebody else. Sons and daughters can't be replaced. Sir, I'm good enough if I that maybe he'll take care of me. Maybe if I'm good enough, if I serve well enough, maybe he'll take care of me and cover my needs. A son says, I have an inheritance and my father's going to give it to me. <laughs> Servants, as we said, they, I'm going to fast and I'm, I'm going to go to church. Lord, I'm praying for healing, so here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to fast and I'm, I'm going to go to church 10 times a week and, and I'm going to... If I perform, there's an incentive. Sonship is my victory. And him, and he is my healing. He is my victory. When we understand our identity in Christ, I'm telling you, it changes everything. He says, be imitators of God. Paul says in Ephesians 5, is that because of these things, he says, be imitators of God as his beloved children. My children love love to imitate their mom and dad and I'm always telling my sons in particular boys I don't don't imitate my anger don't imitate my my impatience and then when I get frustrated with them I'm like why do you have anger and they'll go because well, we see your anger dad I'm like oh at me how do I know who he is because the Bible's chocked full of it if we just look at the life of Jesus how do I imitate God I look at the life of Jesus I live it out so here's what I want to do in closing. I want freedom in this place. If you would be so bold today, if you would be so bold today, if you know that you've been locked in to this mentality of slavery and servanthood towards the Lord, and this sonship thing is burning in your heart, I want to be a son. I want to be a son. I don't want to be a slave anymore. I've been transferred over. He came to set me free from that. But you know that performance has driven your life with the Lord. You've dealt with worth issues. You've dealt with all those things. I'm going to ask you, if you so are bold in this room, would stand up and say, today I trade the servanthood spirit and I take the spirit of sonship. I want to pray over you today. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand just in boldness today. Just in boldness today. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Here we go. So Father, if you, if you would, if you're around them, church, just put your hand out. Let's pray right now. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break the spirit of slavery that's over your body today. We break it in the name of Jesus through today. God, break every desire to think that we've got to perform for you somehow, that we've got to act somehow, and then maybe you'll love me enough. Break that in the name of Jesus. It will change everything in this new year, Father. It will change everything. I have the picture, Father, of the prodigal son, and he's slumped into the pigs out of the bucket, and he gets this revelation 
I can go back into my father's house and be a servant. And he's coming down the road. And the father says, you'll never be a servant for you're a son. And I'm going to establish you back in your full rights. I pray, God, that that's what comes over every heart in this room today. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.